Here we go. Rejecting the screen. Noah Kozlov out here on the East Coast, out West, Adam Stanko. Just mm-hmm. two plugged in dudes talking hoops and a little bit of life. We really do appreciate all the kind, thoughtful words that you sent to us and also to Jeff Zilgit specifically. Concerning our conversation with Jeff, the longtime NBA writer for USA Today, if you haven't listened, go back and listen to the Going ISO edition with Jeff Zilgit. As Jeff chronicles his five-year battle with colon cancer as it spread to his liver three times and his story of survival and his story of, as he said, literally putting one foot in front of the other. Later in this podcast, we'll play a clip that was extremely poignant as Jeff talked about his wife, Allison, and how she played the hero role in his survival and where he is now. So that's going to come up later in the podcast. But again, we really do appreciate it. And if you could continue to share that podcast, because maybe it will just help somebody else in their fight. Adam, Mm -hmm. you good? I'm good, brother. I'm excited to talk to you. All right, so let's talk the broadcasts. I think it's too early, and though we will play the real and spectacular, or eh, I've had better. And I think it's too early to make any sort of referendums on anything in the league. Mm -hmm. But the broadcasts have to get better from the national side and the local side. Adam, I can't hear the whistles. Like, all of a sudden, play just stops. I, I can't hear the whistles. Is it just me? No, no, I've, I've felt the same way. It's, it's strange. I feel like all of a sudden there are kinks to be worked out that we went through an experience in the bubble where it's like you had the two behemoths, right? TNT, ESPN, obviously the league, obviously Disney, everybody working together to make sure this product was great, but it was in a controlled environment. Now, all of a sudden, you put it out to the wild and let a whole bunch of others play around with it. And I'm having a similar experience, No, where all of a sudden the broadcasts are, what is going on here? Game after game after game. I don't understand why I can't hear the whistle. Like there's, there's nothing else going on. Is it the, the manufactured noise? Because there's, no, there's be. no crowd to drown out anything. And whether or not there you know, are the... The microphones around the court, are they different? I've tried to find out from the NBA what is different. Broadcasters themselves are not courtside. So they're mm-hmm. up in a, in a perch somewhere else in the arena. And for some, they're not used to that. Some broadcasters around the league are still courtside. But even non-pandemic times, broadcasters are further up. Most all, I think, radio most radio broadcasters are are up somewhere in the somewhere in the stands and now everybody is up somewhere in like the 100 200 300 level and so maybe it's the you're you're not getting the ambient noise and that natural sound coming through the microphones on the actual announcer so not coming through their own headsets i'm completely thrown off and this is supposed to be, we're back in arenas, so it's supposed to feel better than the bubble. But the bubble, to me, felt a whole lot better. Maybe it was because we were all in this survival mode. And we were watching basketball all together. Everybody was having the same experience. This viewing experience, no matter what is happening on the floor, 
The actual viewing experience, the audio experience is extremely lacking. Well, I think there's two parts to this, Noah. I think, first of all, the bubble you you mentioned about being in survival mode, but it was also an acceptance from everyone. This is something new. At least we're getting basketball. We're putting this product out on the floor. And like I said, you have the best at what they do, all taking part in this and working together. I know that from production standpoint, the producers, Mm -hmm. all the people that were inside the bubble, the writers, they were all in this together. It was this collective group saying, we're going to do what we can to salvage not just the games themselves, but also how they're projected out to to the rest of the country and the world, really. And I thought they did a magnificent job. But all of a sudden now, it's it's sort of the same thing for people who have gone back into offices at work. It's like, mm, the office isn't really the same as it was. You go even into a city, right? You, you haven't been to a city in a while. I When I journey into San Francisco here in the Bay Area, it's like, oh, this doesn't feel the same. And it's not just the masks. It's the businesses that are down. Mm-hmm. And I sort of feel the same thing in watching these these broadcasts. Like everything is a bit off because all of a sudden it's our basis of comparison. We didn't have one for the bubble. Now for these broadcasts, we immediately go back to, oh yeah, I remember exactly what this broadcast should have sounded like and looked like and felt like. There's a, an air of familiarity, but yet things are just missing. And I think that's sort of shocking in its own right. It, it would have been what we had last year if the NBA had done what they were talking about doing early on in the pandemic, if people recall the idea of, hey, they're just going to play games without fans. And we were like, what? That's wild. That, that, I don't know what that would look like, sound like all this. Well, we're sort of getting this now, and it's not really improved quality. And the other part to this, Noah, I think, is there's a level of disjointedness from these broadcasters that are doing things. You talk about you know being up away from the action. There's also the ones working remotely, either in their own arenas and what have you. And I will say this. It's strange because you think part of it is, and you're you're a guy who obviously has done this yourself as, as a play-by-play guy. You have experience here. But the guys that I always talk to, the play-by-play and color guys always say, first of all, sometimes it's difficult to, under- to understand what's exactly going on. It takes you a moment. But the other thing that I've noticed is that there's just this lack of chemistry that doesn't exist because a play-by-play and color guy are not right next to each other. And that leads to awkward pauses. It leads to guys feeling unsure of themselves, insecure. And I think it's really hindered some broadcasts where now all of a sudden it's like you and I are on text threads like, what is wrong with these guys right now? (laughs) Especially some of the national voices. Some of the guys, when it it seems like when it's the road broadcast, so those, so say, I'm just, I'm throwing two teams out there. Mm Mm-hmm. Say Bulls Knicks. Okay. So if the game is being played in Madison Square Garden, the Knicks broadcasters are there. The Bulls broadcasters are most likely in a studio in Chicago. Yep. Together, but in a studio in Chicago, most likely. It seems like the road broadcasters are on some sort of delay across the league. Things are happening. And then you, you, especially in the first game of the season, I remember with the, with the Nets, like, and, and this was on the national broadcast, I'd hear the ball go through the hoop before I even saw it happen. Like, the audio sync was way off. But then just the broadcasters themselves seeing things off a monitor, if there is a slight delay, it's got to end because it's beyond distracting if there actually is the slight delay. But I understand that it's difficult, but I've done it. 
and I've called games off monitor before, and it can be done in a way that allows everybody to actually feel good about what's going on. You've got to have that. You've got to have some sort of natural sound coming through the broadcaster's mics, or else it's going to sound hollow like it does. Oh, and also, there's nothing worse than fake laughter on the air. So, you know, just as uncomfortable as we are watching these games sometimes, like, don't make it more uncomfortable, please, broadcasters, but with this fake laughter, there's nothing worse. Well, this comes back to my point about the the play-by-play and the analysts, like, are out of sync. And it's extremely noticeable. And as you know, when you're in a booth with someone and talking to many broadcasters over the years, both play-by-play and color guys alike, talking about the back and forth and this dance that you go through along with your producer to mm-hmm. put out this product that feels so comfortable. And when it and when it goes right and you have a great play-by-play guy, great color guy, and there's great chemistry there and the producer, it feels seamless. And the, and the viewer at home just feels like it's two other people watching in the living room that are extremely well-informed and the, the level of the broadcast itself just goes way, way up. The wild part is just how much goes into that, Noah, which obviously you could speak to, but the idea, like I talk to color guys who will tell stories like about play-by-play guys who, if they want to finalize a point, let's say a guy goes in, makes a layup, color guy's about to jump in to explain how the play unfolded. All of a sudden you may see the play-by-play guy now reach his arm over. This is what color guys will tell me, reach his arm over, like block him out. Like, no, 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 I'm going to finish my thought first. And if and if you don't have the right chemistry there right next to each other, that can feel jarring for a color guy where he's like, whoa, wait a minute here. Like, I'm going to make my point. But, you're, you know, there's this back and forth that the dance that takes place between the two. of them. Right. And you can't reach over now if there's a I mean, you can put your hand up at a table. You can put your hand up against the glass if you're you're the home team broadcaster. So, so you can. Yes, you can do that. And it's also, though, unfair, I think, for some of the older broadcasters. Like Marv Albert is my all-time favorite announcer. But it's unfair for Marv to be calling games off a monitor. It's unfair for Marv, and it's unfair for the viewers because it's, it's, we're, it's not Marv. We're not, getting, we're not getting Marv Albert. Right. He, he's, he, he's he, clearly cannot, he clearly cannot see and feel everything that is happening on the court through, through the monitor. And it's a shame. You know, I worked at ESPN and there's this this technology they have now in control rooms, which is becoming increase more and more increasing the, this automation. And we hear about automation in the workforce all the time. But in production terms, automation means that now people in a control room, whether it's a playout person, it could be audio, it could be camera people. All of them are starting to get replaced now by a computer. And you can have a director just go and punch buttons and say, oh, I want that. Normally in a control room, director says, hey give me what's on monitor a, you know, they, they do it mm-hmm. in quicker terms and all, but essentially they're calling for different shots or wipes or what have you. And then someone else, whether a technical director or a playout person will actually play it out. The, the act that they want performed. Well, in automation, the director just has a computer in front of them and just starts to punch away. ESPN used to call it ignite control rooms. Well, and they're taking place all over the country now to save money. Clearly. The crazy part is the younger directors who are coming up and learning through these systems have picked it up relatively quickly and like some of it because they have control. They just punch up the button, look what they're looking for, what have you. 
the old school directors, these unbelievable conductors, if you will, struggle with it because all of a sudden it's this thing that they're used to, they don't necessarily have anymore. They learn one way their entire careers, their entire lives, and now have to to rethink and reformat the way that their brain works. Oh, I'm not just calling for this, but now I have to go push the button. And I use that analogy to say, I sort of feel like guys like Marv Albert, you hear that difference where now all of a sudden, everything that he's used to, you talk about that feel, that visceral reaction to things, all of his gut reaction stuff, all of that's taken away because it's now on a monitor. It might be in delay. I'm sure the communication's different uh, from his producer. So all those things change. And again, it's aged him, I think. And you hear that come across in the broadcast. All right, coming up, real and spectacular from Seinfeld, or I've had better. That's from Liar Liar, when he can't lie, Jim Carrey, and he's lying in bed, and he tells the woman, I've had better. We'll play that with the Warriors, the Clippers, the Bucks, the Hawks, the Cavs, and I'll do a little I told you so with Markel Fultz. But first, football. College football is in bowl season, although bowl games are getting canceled all over the place. <laughs> There's always significant matchups, though, on the betting tickets. NFL regular season finishing up. Playoff picture is, I guess, becoming clearer. For some reason, the Eagles are on prime time against the Washington football team. Nobody wants to see the Eagles play anymore. And there's only one place that's got you covered and one place that we trust here at Locked On, and that's betonline.ag. If you sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag, you can use that promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D, on. Locked On for 50% off, or not 50% off, but a 50% welcome bonus. So you put in 100 bucks, you end up with 150 in your account. So I told you, and this is the one I hammered, I told you before the when the Christmas Day lines came out and it was Nets Celtics and it was a pick em, I said, hammer the Nets, hammer the Nets, take the Nets. Yes, you did. And yes, then, you did. and then even after the opener when and then the Nets ended up being a three point favorite, I said, hammer the Nets, hammer the Nets, hammer the Nets. And if you did, you want a little cash. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore when you're watching games, just get in on the action it can just be a little bit makes it a little bit more fun. Don't lose your lunch money on it, though. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on, L O C K E D on, locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Betting on the NBA doesn't have to be a guessing game. And although you might think you know what you're doing, if you listen to the experts, it makes your life a whole lot easier. There's a new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Let them do the work. They've already done it, and then you can just follow their picks. You can get daily picks, quick-hitting device, make the smartest possible wagers. It's just advice without the nonsense. Subscribe to the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. Real and spectacular, or I've had better. Well, I told you Markel Fultz is going to be real and spectacular. And he took over against the Wizards on Sunday. And when we did our headline predictions for the season, that was, and I said, watch for Markel to get a deal. And then mm-hmm. like two mm-hmm. hours later, he got the deal, three years, 50 million. But 
I didn't feel the need to have to go back and re-record anything since it's a Mark L. Foltz contract and that's how podcasts work. But he's been terrific for Orlando. And I've said it before that he went from the most bullied, of course, he's not actually the most bullied, but most bullied teenager in America to this. And his turnaround has been real and spectacular. Where do you sit on <laughs> the Warriors right now? Because, Adam, you're out in the Bay Area, and mm-hmm. that defense is horrendous. So is, is, this, is this real? It's funny, Noah. You talked about that last year as being the big issue for the Warriors, and you mm-hmm. always wonder. It's almost like the Sixers through the whole trust the process. You wonder how much bad habits end up creeping in right? This team spent a year sort of in tank mode. Everyone just laid off, sat around, didn't didn't really care about getting back because they all knew it was time to throw in the towel. Let's get the top draft pick and go. Then they get the clay news. So it's been a weird psychological thing for them all along. And I will say this, Noah, as bad as the defense has been, I think that improves when you get Draymond back. You talk about a guy that is such a difference maker defensively for this team. He he is one of the few guys you can say he can single-handedly turn a defense around, and he will do that. But my my thing for the Warriors is also, what are you doing on the offensive end? They've already had two games under 100 points, and it's mostly been because of the poor shooting of Kelly Oubre. But here's a wild stat for you, Noah. As terrible as Kelly Oubre has been for the from the field, and you can find this anywhere, he shot one for 14 from three last season between December 21st and December 27th. Incredibly, the same week last year, hmm. one for 14 from three, and has been worse this year because hasn't hit a three. But the good news for Warriors fans, last year after that stretch, he went on to shoot 17 for 26 from three over the next four games. If Kelly Oubre shoots it well, Steph Curry's looking like the old Steph Curry. You add in Draymond Green. I actually think Warriors are not as bad as they've looked thus far. Huh. Maybe it's like a holiday thing for Kelly Oubre. But some of these numbers, like the fact that he hasn't made any shot but a dunk is... It's incredible. So crazy. He's at, and, he, and he's on, I know nobody cares about anybody else's fantasy team, mm-hmm. but he is on my fantasy team. Does oh. not, is not helping my field goal percentage, but Markel is helping. It's a two-year keeper league. Markel is helping. Had him last year. Darius Garland has been well, a terrific we'll steal. So him. let's, let's we'll talk about, him. let's talk about those Cavaliers. Garland's 19 and eight. He's getting to his spots. The Cavs, as we recorded this on Monday, they're three and oh, Colin Sexton's a, a big high usage guy, but he's shooting 59% from the floor. The team is, as you predicted, that they would be fun to watch. Look, we thought they would be fun to watch. I've always said it's a weird collection of talent. And we knew that Isaac Okoro would make a difference defensively. It's funny. You see stat line from him where he's playing more than 40 minutes a night and taking three shots. And, and really his impact is going to be as an energy guy and really change culture defensively. Andre Drummond playing very well. But here's the thing for me. You talk about that backcourt. Darius Garland, of course, we're seeing his assist rate go way up. But Colin Sexton, I was wondering this year, where's all the offense going to come from the Cavs? They have to play defense, but then where are they going to get their offense from? You'd think maybe it's Kevin Love. 
Colin Sexton, who's averaging, as you point out, 27 a night, shooting 59% from the floor. Do you know, Noah, his last five games back in March, 30 points a game, 58% from the field. So we're talking about a guy whose shot selection has gotten much better. He's always been one of the more explosive guards in the league. He can get by people left and right. It's always been about his shot selection, and he is a really good finisher. The fact that we're seeing now Colin Sexton contribute like this, it shouldn't be that much of a shock. He was doing it at the tail end of, of his last season. Is that what we still call it last season? Pre-bubble because they didn't play in the bubble. Whatever you call it, he was doing the same thing the last time we saw him. Yeah, it's the, the italic season, not the asterisk season, the italic season. Hawks, real and spectacular or just... Bad better. No, no, I am all in on how spectacular the Hawks are. We talked about it before the season started about how good this Hawks team could be if Trey Young had weapons. He's finally got weapons, and now we can start putting him on par with the other elite stars in the league. I don't care where ESPN's top 100 ranked him in the 50s or whatever they do to, to generate clicks. Trey Young, of course, going bananas. We expected that. Trey Young's one of the best players in the league. We know about his scoring over 36 a game, but his vision obviously on par with anybody's. I always say, no, we talked about it last week. There are certain guys in the league that just see the game just differently. He plays at his own pace. He just, they, it doesn't matter. They just have a great feel for the game. Obviously, Luca's in the same camp, Harden's that way, Steph's that way, where it doesn't matter. You don't speed them up. They play at their own pace. They score, distribute, whatever they need to do. But this team's third in the NBA in scoring. And it's been the balance, seven guys in double figures. All the additions are making a difference. Um, I love this, this Hawks team. I think they're legit. Obviously, they still need to play people. It's only been over the Bulls and in Memphis. But I'm excited about, about the Hawks' future. I think they're spectacular. So I think it's any given night that you can tune in and get something insane or get some sort of dud. And it kind of goes back to what I was talking about with betting, that if – you want to look ahead to the schedule and if you can get advanced lines on betonline.ag on some of these games that, you know, maybe, you know, the Martin Luther King games or things like that, that, you know, that the stars will be playing or won't be playing. Like I don't expect Kevin Durant is out for the Memphis game. And that's tonight as we record this on Monday, you obviously won't be hearing that, but they play the the Grizzlies again the day after they have the Sixers on national TV in January, early January. So I don't expect him to play against the Grizzlies the next night. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. again, this season, the circumstance, sure, they're not in the bubble, but this season has so many of these extenuating circumstances and all these outside factors that who knows what can happen. We don't, we don't, we don't know. The Bucks just lost to the Knicks by 20. I think it's inexcusable. The Magic just beat the Wizards in back-to-back games in their own building. That's just weird. It's weird to even play back-to-back games in <laughs> someone's building or even in the same place against the same team anywhere. So I, I know that we're excited about certain things. Um, it's going to take me a whole lot longer to get excited for an extended period of time versus just enjoying watching a game at night while just steaming over the broadcasts. How about, how about those bucks? Because after losing the Boston, that Giannis's free throw that he missed was so short. That was like my dad. When I, when I was like a little kid 
and I stand at the free throw line. If we're just shooting, he would say, mm-hmm. Oh, his knees are shaking. His knees are shaking. Like he was mm-hmm. trying to make me nervous. It was like, what was happening to Giannis? That was, it was embarrassing how short that was. I'm looking ahead to January 15th, 18th, 21st, before I make those grand proclamations about the bucks and probably wait till a little bit longer, but they're, they've got Dallas on ESPN. And then on the 18th, they're at Brooklyn on TNT. And then the 21st, they've got the Lakers on TNT. Let's find out. It's interesting you bring up the Giannis free throw because there's an old thought among basketball scouts that guy goes through the line. If he's short, it's almost always because of the nerves. And you talked about it. Your dad's known this forever because essentially what happens is you don't get low enough because you're Mm -hmm. tight. We get nerves. All of a sudden we get tight. And so all of a sudden you don't get low enough. You don't bend your knees enough. The knees start to buckle a little as you talk about. You don't get low enough. You come up short. It's scary to me. Giannis has missed a lot of late free throws in in games in critical situations. Obviously love him as a player and predicted that he'd win an MVP again this season. Here's what I really don't like about the Bucs. Last year they were number one in defensive rating and their defense has been atrocious. Yes, they they gave up. 122 points to Boston, and obviously in the loss to the Knicks, 130. 21st in, de- 21st in defensive rating this year. Now, granted, again, a tiny sample size, and we'll, we'll know that obviously is going to change some as the season wears on. But I am curious about that. The other thing is their three-point shooting. Between Brooke Lopez, Giannis, Drew Holiday, and Connaughton, those guys are combined to shoot eight for 41 from three this year. That's under 20%. So either Giannis has to stop shooting threes, which has always been the thought from everybody, right? Don't take so many threes, Giannis. You don't need to prove anything to anyone. You don't need people to come out and guard you. It doesn't matter. When you start going downhill, no one can stop you. Stop shooting threes. We know Drew Holiday is going to hit at a better clip than one of nine. We know Lopez is going to hit at a better clip than one of seven. So I have reason to feel optimistic offensively for the Bucs, but this defense has to get figured out. Yeah, but it's, it's it's so early and without a without a training camp, without these preseason yep. games, I think coaches are looking at the standings and thinking, ah, oh, like this isn't where we should be because this isn't the situation that any of us should be in. Quickly on the Clippers, mm-hmm. I, I'm not My making book. anything about I'm not thinking making anything about this. The loss to Dallas. As, as embarrassing as it is and as atrocious as it is, I'm not making anything about like on court with the Clippers losing by 50 to Dallas. I do think there is something to be said for a lack of fight when you when you lose by 50. Um, and so, so maybe that comes back, but I'd look more at the Lakers win, the Denver win, than the Dallas loss. And weirdly, Noah... It's almost like you knew there was going to be some type of a letdown because of how important the Lakers game was going to be mm-hmm. to them. You had said you wanted to see them get smacked on national television. That was the I thing know. you were most excited for this season. But everyone was looking at, oh, the Clippers are an embarrassment. They're an embarrassment in L.A. That game meant so much to them. They win the opener, and then they have the big lead against the Nuggets, and it was, wait a minute, are we going to see it once again? a collapse against the Nuggets, and they <laughs> held on to win that. It almost felt like you could have bet the farm, of course, on their opponent in game three because you knew there's no way the Clippers cared about playing the Mavericks at that point. It was all about 
let's just get through the first two games. Those two games had been circled on their schedule. I will say this one point, Noah, is that last season, the Clippers had three players outside of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard who shoot over 35 shots a game for this team. They dominate the offense. They had three other guys who took at least nine shots a game. Lou Williams, Montrezl Harrell, and Morris. This season, they only have one of them, and that Serge Ibaka is shooting exactly nine shots a game. So where is the other offense going to come from? And I don't just mean who's scoring, but who's actually going to have the courage to take shots when it's not Paul George and Kawhi. I almost wonder if those guys just catch, like, cause too big of a shadow around the rest of the team, that guys are just sort of nervous to even be taking shots otherwise. Is it going to be Lou Williams? He's only scoring six points a game, 25% shooting on two-point field goal attempts. Luke Kennard, I think they need six points a game, 30% from the field. Somebody has to at least take shots outside of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. It can't just be those two guys. I'm going to be playing people taking shots at the Clippers just mean that other guys (laughs) on the Clippers need to be actually taking physical shots. Coming up next, if you missed any of our conversation this week with Jeff Zilgit, we're going to play you a clip so that Adam and I can give further thoughts. And we highly recommend you going back and listening to the full episode with Jeff Zilgit of USA Today on his battle with cancer and covering the NBA. That's next. Built Bar is improved. It's tough to improve on Built Bar. All those flavors, so soft, covered in chocolate. Mm-mm-mm. But now they've got caramel brownie and cookies and cream and cherry barcia and the lemon almond cheesecake, the carrot cake and the apple almond crisp. And by the way, last time we did this read was the carrot cake deal with my birthday, how I always get a piece of carrot cake. Mm-hmm. So I did get a piece of carrot cake for my birthday. It came from the diner down the street, which is really struggling and it's tough to see, but Marissa went in and got a piece of carrot cake and there was just way too much nutmeg in it like i took a bite and i was like hmm seems off and took another bite and there was just too much nutmeg did i eat it yes ate all of it and marissa said well why'd you do that if you didn't really like it why'd you eat the whole thing well it's i mean half decent carrot cake is better than a lot of other cakes and it was also missing the it was also missing nuts think it was there's always um Oftentimes there's, uh, whether it's peanuts or cashews or some sort of um, crunchiness in a carrot cake to mix up the texture. I've been watching way too many baking shows and it was missing in this carrot cake. But the carrot cake flavor of the Built Bar is terrific and high protein, low sugar, high fiber, low calorie. What else could you possibly want? Like take, for example, the cookies and cream. Everybody loves cookies and cream. 17 Mm -hmm. grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams net carbs. Free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D on, LOCKEDON, all one word. You'll get 20% off your next order. Promo code LOCKEDON, 20% off, BuiltBar.com. As soon as you finish listening to us, make sure you check out LOCKEDON NBA. It's the East meets West, which is kind of like the two of us, me be on the East Coast, Adam be on the West Coast. East meets West, Locked On NBA Tuesdays. Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Mercury News, host of Locked On Warriors. David Rammel, host of Locked On Heat. They get into the biggest NBA stories of the day, coast to coast. So right after you finish listening to us, subscribe to Locked On NBA 
the Locked On NBA podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Last week, we spoke to Jeff Zilgit, the longtime NBA writer for USA Today. Jeff joined USA Today doing all sorts of things back in 1995 after working at a newspaper in Michigan. And over the past five years, Jeff had been battling colon cancer and it spread to his liver on three separate occasions. So we spoke to him as he went deep into the personal journey to fight through this. And the clip we're going to play is in response to Adam's question of, tell us about your best day. Ooh, that's a great question, Adam. And, you know, um, I, I, I can look at this um, a variety of ways. Um, if, like, look, I, I, I don't want this to be a cliche either, but I, I think meeting my wife, like, you know, the, I, I'll share a story that, uh, again, sort of chokes me up, but, like, to, to find someone, um, after my first chemo treatment, I called her from work and I told her that I don't think I'm feeling well. And this ended up being a couple nights stay in the hospital for me because I could not stop getting sick. It, it, it was an awful night. And my wife is holding a bucket. And, and I, I guess when you go through all these things about, you know, what love is, no one ever mentions that love is holding the bucket that your husband is getting sick in and that's splashing up in your face. Okay. And, and I know there's some humor in that, but man, is there a ton of love in there? And, and, and to have her alongside me through this, like I, I don't get from here to there without her. That there's just no question about it. Someone who fought for me. Um, you know, when I talk about finding the right doctors, Noah, when you ask that question, mm -hmm. well, my wife is fighting for every inch of my life just as much as I am in, in, in some different ways. And, and so, you know, being forever grateful um, for that. I said at the time, Adam, that there were multiple times during the podcast that I had to mute myself because I found myself getting emotional. I didn't want that to affect how Jeff would answer his questions. And this was one of those times. This was late in the podcast. And when he said that you find that person, if you're fortunate enough to find that person, nobody's not everybody is fortunate enough to find someone they want to spend the rest of their lives with, let alone the person that's going to be the hero day to day and the person that's going to hold that bucket while you're throwing up from your chemo treatments and it's splashing that person in the face and they don't say a word but yet they're there to support you and they don't think twice about it. That's stayed with me ever since we had that conversation. There was so much about our discussion that I keep coming back to. And I know during the holiday season, we all tend to talk about gratitude and we talk about love and perspective and caring for others, but this guy lives it. and. And those things all kept coming back to me. But I, I, maybe more than everything else, was just the love that the two of them have for each other. Um, 
Jeff and, and Allison. And we actually got a, a note from from Jeff's dad who said how touched he was by by the podcast. And I, you know, I was moved throughout. I was so glad you recommended talking to Jeff and that we interview him and then for him to share his story. I just so much about just even doing the podcast in general for somebody to open up about those battles and be so candid as he was that alone was moving. Just the fact that he would be willing to do that uh, was incredible. And, and I didn't even know him before this podcast. And so just the fact that he would do that and chose, you know, the, the, the friendship that you guys have, but his dad Otto had had said about his relationship with Allison. He said, quote, he could not have been more honest about the best thing that has ever happened to him is his wife, Allison. She has been more than a pillar of strength. She knows him as well as anyone and can rein him in all situations. I have witnessed it. And I just, isn't that what we all strive for is just to, mm-hmm. to have someone and to be that person for someone else. And, and that's sort of, I think the biggest thing I just want to say about this is that I think that should be the goal for everyone is that you can show love and compassion and empathy to others when they need it. And when they, they may not even realize they need it, but to have that strength for others. And I, I want to be that person for my wife, for my kids, for my friends, for you, for, for my, the other members of my family. and. These people are living that right now in the face of the unthinkable. They are living it. And um, I just, I'm still just moved even, even thinking about what, what they told us. And something else he said was that he's now been trying to figure out how to repay everybody for their, their mm. gratitude. And mm. what I would say is for anybody to not even think about it, just, just do it. And there's, there's such simple things you can do day to day, just saying hello holding a door, saying thank you. Just w- once you once you start with that, then everything else will come pretty easy. They don't all need to be grand gestures, checking in, saying hello, seeing how you're doing. It uh, it goes a long way in, in everybody's lives. So coming up this week on the Going ISO edition, we've got Steve Lavin, the former St. John's and UCLA head coach, some stories about recruiting Earl Watson, Baron Davis, of course, his relationship with John Wooden. Frank, I saw unable to join us this week. You can check us out on Instagram at rejecting underscore the underscore screen. That's almost becoming the joke <laughs> that we're on Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's the joke. Ay, ay, ay. Adam's on Twitter at Naismith Lives. I'm at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. Chad Ford's NBA Big Board is a podcast all about now the 2021 draft. I don't even know what season this is. Oh, and for anyone who thinks that just because 2020 ends, that 2021 (laughs) is going to provide some sort of like magic trick. Like, oh, I can't wait for 2020 to end. Yeah, like symbolically, sure. But it's just one more day in the calendar. And yes, we're one day closer to getting that schmuck out of the White House. But it's just one day. Like it doesn't just all disappear. Like even my daughter knows that I talked to Eden about it on our podcast, the follow-up this week. She even knows mm-hmm. that well, you, it's not, you don't take a wand out and 2020 ends and Oh, pandemic's over and everybody loves each other. It just doesn't happen that way. The good news is that it will be so much easier this year. The only silver lining I can find is that every year on new year's Eve, 
I try to take just a moment, a moment of peace and solitude, which is hard to get when you have four children. But I just try to take a moment to myself and say, hmm, what what happened this year? I just try to go through the year and just sort of play it back and okay, through January, February, March, okay, um, and then okay, and then we need, hit the you're tournament. Gonna more, you're gonna need more than a moment, pal. Well, here's the thing. I don't even have my point being, I don't even have to do that because everything that happened in 2020 is now encapsulated. I, I know exactly what happened throughout the year. I don't have to say, was that this year? Or was that two years ago? Was that no, everything that happened within the last year, I'm I'm keenly aware of. So that's the silver line. Once Hudson goes to bed, just <laughs> that never <laughs> happens though. Just look at Skylar and say, Oh, you <laughs> happened this year. You, you, you were True. born this year. You the remember that, Skyler? You were born this year. Locked on NBA five days a week. Hollinger and Duncan. John Hollinger, Nate Duncan, their unique takes. Locked on fantasy hoops with Josh Lloyd. And your team every day, all 30 teams, every single day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Adam, thanks, pal. You are the best. <laughs>